Let me tell you a story about a man. A good man. A family man. Oh, he was not a Scrooge. He was kind, generous, and upright in his dealings with others. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to Earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait up for them. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. As he sat in his fireside chair and read the newspaper, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, and then another. At first he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against the house, but when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter had tried to fly through his living room window. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes and tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched breadcrumbs, and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them and waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird and talk to them and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. That is one of my favorite stories of Christmas. 
Gospel of John, when I was in uh, seminary, I had to take a theology class, of course, all pastors do. Uh, and the professor said, part of your test is going to be writing the entire first chapter of John. And, but that wasn't all the test. We had to write that out, and that was significant in and of itself. But then we had to answer all the theological questions that he was throwing at us, doctrinal issues, all of those things. But John chapter 1 really does speak about Jesus becoming man. That God sent Jesus Christ to this earth with a mission. One of the verses from 1 John 1.14 is this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This word, word, is logos. That's the Greek word, logos. John starts his gospel off. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if we take this word to mean Jesus, which it is, and the Greek word also means the message. So if we read it this way, in the beginning, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Changes the whole dimension of what John is saying here. Here, This word, this Jesus, who came from heaven, from his throne in the kingdom of God, came down and took on human flesh, sarks. The Greek word sarks is this, a physical body. Look at the theology being developed just in this one word, in this one verse. The word logos, God, Jesus, comes down in the form of a baby. He is born in every way that we are. He grew in favor with God and man, but he was still in the flesh. Think about that for a minute. God, the Son of God, who created everything in this world, for by him was all things created for him, and he takes on human flesh. This is an interesting word, too, this word dwelt. And this might shock you what that word. It does mean take up residency, but it also means tabernacled. Where does that language come from? The word tabernacled. So Jesus becomes human and tabernacles among us. Brothers and sisters, that comes from the Old Testament. When God tabernacled with the people of Israel in the wilderness. 
And the people then had the wilderness tabernacle set up where the priest would do all the functions of the forgiveness of sin for people. He would go in to the inner sanctuary and meet God. God tabernacled with the people. And this word is specific for John because he wanted to show that Jesus was the very presence of God on this earth. It's undeniable. <laughs> the Savior, the King of the world, who was reigning in heaven, left that glorious position and came to this earth and took on a human tent. Paul says that when we fold up this tent, we go to be with Jesus in heaven. He tabernacled among us. John says, we have seen his doxa. Now, I know we think of that as doxology, but this word's a little more than that. It refers not only to the splendor and the glory of the word, who tabernacled in a human body, but to show his divinity. This word glory refers to the power of Jesus Christ. So when we read the Gospels and we see that Jesus said, your sins have been forgiven, rise, take up your bed and walk when he touches the blind man and he brings sight back to that blind man, or when he heals a leper, or when he calms the sea, we are talking about the glory of Jesus. Everything that we believe theologically is contained in First and John chapter 1, verse 14. We have the divinity of Jesus. We have the humanity of Jesus. And we have the sovereignty of Jesus, where he rules over his creation, which he created. That's why Jesus was able to do the miracles that he did. So much so that his disciples looked at him when he calmed the storm and said, what kind of man is this that even the seas obey him? It is Jesus, the Son of God. Mm. Not only that, the glory as of the only Son of God. That is definitive. There are not three or four different ways to the kingdom of God. There is one way. And it is through a divine human Jesus. You, and you look at this theology, and then here we go with the latter part of it. Grace, charis, we know what that word is. That is the word for unmerited, undeserved favor of God. And only Jesus can give that out. That was his mission. We look at Jesus sometimes as somebody that is judging. No. Jesus, the world's already condemned. Jesus came that they may have life 
and it says, as of the only son from the father, full of charis. You know what that word also means? It means loving kindness. When I look at the Gospels, and I see Jesus look at a prostitute, and he goes to that prostitute and forgives her. Or when Jesus goes to a tax collector's house, to a sinner, and sups with him and has dinner with him and talks to him, the religious elite. Why is he messing with sinners? Well, they got the biggest sins of all. Religion saves no one. Only Jesus saves people. He is full of grace, and I'm going to say this, and people are watching by Facebook, I know this. Jesus loves you right where you are. Brothers and sisters, that's what the birth of Jesus ushers in. It ushers in the loving grace of God. And he gives us a choice. We can either accept the grace or we can reject the grace. But not only that, Jesus is also the truth. That means when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me, what he was saying with the truth is, and what this word means uh, in the Greek language, it means actual events that happened. So in this, in this one little verse, you have the entire doctrine of the church. You have the gospel. You have the historical account of Jesus being truth, and we know this from Josephus, the writings of the first century historian. You have the glory, the power of God. You have the humanity of Jesus, who the King of kings and the Lord of lords took up a body like mine and walked this earth and experienced the same thing that we experience every day. Hurts, fears, frustrations, problems, heartaches. And yet he never loses his word. This verse is pretty much the entire theology of Christian life. So, the story of the bird and the man. He couldn't get the birds into the barn, and he reasoned to himself, the only way I'm going to get them into the barn is to become a bird. The Old Testament says that people walked in darkness in the Old Testament. And the only way that God could shoo them into the barn, into the kingdom, was to send Christ to become a man like us. And to share the news of the kingdom.
It all started when Jesus was born. And I will say this. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me because he was like us. The difference is that he was without sin. And when Jesus lived his life, at the end of that life, he went to the cross to pay for your sin and mine. And when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. And he died. But the story doesn't end there. He rose from the dead. And the promise to us who believe in this historical event, not only the historical event, but believe in Jesus, to trust him with all of our heart, when we die, we go to be in his presence.